Good evening. Let's call to order the Planning Commission meeting of Monday, February 26, 2024 at 7 o'clock p.m. City of Sunnyvale strongly denounces hate speech and does not tolerate disruptive behavior in our meetings. Sunnyvale prides itself on the rich diversity of our residents. We are committed to creating a culture of belonging where members of our diverse community feel included, safe, and respected. This Planning Commission meeting is considered a limited public forum, which means that the Commission can regulate the time, place, and manner of speech to prevent our meetings from being disrupted. This protects the rights of other speakers and ensures that the Commission can accomplish its business in a reasonably efficient manner. Speaker comments must be limited to the agenda item being considered by the Commission for Consent Calendar or public hearing items. Speaker comments during oral communications must be limited to matters within the Planning Commission's authority to address, generally referred to as, in, as within the Commission's subject matter jurisdiction. The presiding officer will make a determination as to whether a speaker's comment is related to an agenda item being considered by the Commission or to a matter within the subject matter jurisdiction of the Commission during oral communications. If a speaker does not comply, the presiding officer will rule the speaker out of order. The presiding officer will not rule speech out of order because the presiding officer disagrees with the content of the speaker's speech. Before we get started, I'd like to remind participants of some procedural items for this meeting. During the meeting, remote participants will remain muted when not speaking. Remote participants have a question or comment, please use the raise hand feature. Speakers will be called upon to speak one at a time, and a random order of voice vote will be mastered by the recording officer for each vote. Members of the public may participate in person, online, or by telephone to provide public comment. Please submit a speaker card to the recording officer in person or use the raise hand feature online to request to speak. That's star nine on a telephone. Location and teleconference meeting details are available on the agenda. Captions are available to viewers accessing this meeting via Zoom. Captions can be displayed or hidden using the show captions button. Comments on matters not on the agenda must be submitted prior to the time I call the item for oral communications. Comments on agenda items must be submitted prior to the time I close the public hearing on the agenda item. Speakers are requested to keep their comments no more than three minutes, and time limits will be strictly enforced. Guidelines are posted on the city's website and on the meeting agenda. Please join me in the salute to the flag. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the Republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. Recording officer, may I please have the roll call? Commissioner Howe. Present. Present. Chair Pine. Present. Vice Chair Iglesias. Present. Commissioner Davis. Present. Commissioner Cerrone. Present. Commissioner Shukla. Present. Commissioner Howard. Present. We have seven commissioners present. Thank you. Uh, that brings us to oral communications. Members of the public will now have an opportunity to address the Planning Commission on topics not listed on tonight's agenda. This section is limited to 15 minutes and may be extended or continued after the public hearings general business section of the agenda. Individuals are limited to one appearance with a maximum of three, up to three minutes per speaker. As stated at the beginning of the meeting, this commission meeting is considered a limited public forum and the commission can regulate the time, place, manner of speech. Speaker comments during oral communications must be limited to matters within the planning commission's authority to address, generally referred to as within the commission's subject matter jurisdiction. If a speaker does not speak to a matter within the commission's subject matter jurisdiction, the presiding officer will rule the speaker out of order to allow the commission to conduct its business in a reasonably efficient manner and to protect the rights of other speakers. 
presiding officer will not rule speech out of order because the presiding officer disagrees with the content of the speaker's speech. As a reminder to the public, please submit a speaker card to the recording officer, raise your digital hand now, or dial star nine on telephone if you wish to address the planning commission. I will call members of the public participating in person first, and the recording officer will ask remote participants to unmute their microphone as they're to address the planning commission. Speakers will have three minutes to speak, and the time will be displayed on the screen. I have no in-person speaker cards. Anyone else interested in speaking under all communications or who you hear from remote speakers? If not, recording officer, do we have any remote participants wishing to speak under oral communications? Yes, Chair, we have two individuals with their hands raised. And I'll go ahead and allow Lauren Ledbetter, the floor to speak first. Is it me? I thought you said Lauren, but this is Courtney. Do you want me to go or do you want Lauren to go? Um, let me allow Lauren the floor to speak first, and I'll go ahead and, and meet you back. Okay. I assume you can hear me now. Yes, we can. Okay. Fabulous. Thank you. Um, so I just wanted to call to the attention of the Planning Commission a development that I am concerned about. It's the Hacienda Village development on Duane Avenue. It is in an urban village area. And I recognize the city may be extremely limited in what it can require of developers, but I am concerned about the loss of the neighborhood serving retail in this area. It appears that the development shown on the city's website, the plans have uh, are providing less than the minimum uh, requirement for retail in an urban village area. I do fully support additional housing. I fully support additional um, affordable housing especially, but by losing this retail, it makes it very challenging for the community to um, support some of the other priorities of the urban village area, namely being able to walk and bike to local um, places like uh, grocery stores and restaurants, and there's a dentist uh, place in that retail area as well. I'm not entirely certain, but I'm guessing that many of those businesses are minority owned. And I would say if the city cannot modify the developer's proposal, I would ask that the city consider looking into um, ways that they can address business displacement and help the small business owners stay on their feet after being displaced from the area. Thank you. Thank you, Lauren. Courtney Jansen, I'll go ahead and unmute you now. Okay. Um, I, my comment's actually going to be very similar to Lauren's, but more, well, all of the village centers, but uh, more specifically the one at Lawrence Avenue and um, Sandia. I live in North Sunnyvale, um, and those businesses have been supportive of our neighborhood. Giovanni's Pizzeria has been around for a long time. They have partnered with our neighborhood association board in the past, and they've even donated uh, to San Miguel Elementary's silent auction in prior years. Um, the, you know you know that we don't have a lot of grocery stores in North Sunnyvale. Having access to that Asian grocery store gives an alternative besides Walmart, which I try to avoid shopping at for various um, moral reasons. Um, and the other restaurants there are also visited often by members of our community who need something close by that we don't have to drive to. So I would also encourage as much as you can within the law, to make sure that we have um, retail space available of restaurants and you know groceries and so forth. I, if there's a way to give preference to people who are already in these developments, 
Um, and I don't know if that's reduced rent or preference to places to go or something like that. I think we should do as much as we can to support them. And then the last thing that I will say is that I think 15% affordable housing uh, is too low. Uh, we're going to do high density housing. There are lots of luxury apartments popping up in our areas and other expensive things. I think we need to increase if possible um, affordable housing from 15% to at least 20%. So thank you for your time. Thank you, Chair. We have no further hands raised. Thank you. Uh, with that, I will uh, close oral communications and I will go ahead and open public comment on consent calendar items. Members of the public wishing to address the Planning Commission, please submit a speaker card to the recording officer. Reuse the raise hand feature now or dial star nine on telephone to indicate that you wish to speak. I will call upon members participating in person first and the recording officer will ask remote participants to unmute their microphone when it is their turn to address the Planning Commission. Speakers will have three minutes to speak and the time will be displayed on the screen. I have no in-person speakers. Do we have any remote participants wishing to speak on a consent item? We do not, Chair. Thank you. I'll close public comment on the consent calendar and I'll now ask for a motion on my colleagues. Commissioner Howard. Oh, I move the consent calendar. Thank you. Uh, Commissioner Davis. I second the motion. Thank you. Uh, recording officer, please conduct a roll call vote. Commissioner Davis? Yes. Vice Chair Iglesias? Abstain. Abstain. Chair Pine? Uh, can I abstain just on 1A and yes on the other two? Oh, I believe we need a motion to pull, pull the item. Okay, then I'm just going to vote yes because I trust everyone. Thank you. And Commissioner Shukla? Yes. Commissioner Howe? I abstain. Also, Chair, I have a comment that I'd like to make before you go to another matter. Thank you. Okay. Commissioner Cerrone? Yes. Commissioner Howard? Yes. The motion passes with five yeses and two abstentions from Vice Chair Iglesias and Commissioner Howe. Thank you. Commissioner Howe? Yeah, thank you. Um, Friday, I um, emailed couple members of the staff on item 1C and I want to just mention that Sean and Robbie both answered my questions in full and I'm happy if I hadn't been absent for one of the items I would have voted for it for sure thank you thank you and what is the fate of the project that we just approved in 1C uh, it can be appealed within 15 days thank you uh, with that we will proceed with our we will proceed with our public hearings general business section of the night's agenda. Our first item is our first item is agenda item 224-0385. Proposed project consider applications relating to implementation of 2023-2031 housing element to amend the by right approval process for certain parcels within the city, introduce an ordinance to amend by right approvals. Under Chapter 19.73 of the Samuel Municipal Code to clarify ministerial review of projects as it relates to proposed subdivisions. Uh, the location is citywide. The applicant is the city of Sunnyvale. Is there a staff report? Um, there is no a staff um, presentation, just an oral presentation. 
So good, good evening, Chair, Planning Commissioners. Uh, my name is Julia Klein. This is the first time I'm meeting you. Um, thank you uh, for uh, hearing this item. Um, so the item is a minor amendment to the recently adopted by right ordinance, which this commission reviewed um, in January, January 22nd to be precise. Um, the staff, uh, the by right uh, approval ordinance is an implementation action uh, from the city's recently adopted housing element, which the council adopted uh, back in December 2023. The original ordinance that this commission saw um, was uh, subsequently reviewed and approved by the city council um, in the February 6, 2024. Following the adoption, we received a letter from State uh, Community Development, California Department of Housing Community Development Department. Um, they required minor amendment to our ordinance, basically shifting a reference to projects that um, require a subdivision map, shifting a section of that reference to another section. And so we, as city staff, has been working with state HCD staff on the specific wording that they were interested in seeing. And so we've incorporated that into the ordinance before you this evening. So that concludes staff's presentation. I'm available for any questions. Thank you. I had my colleagues use the right to use your mic button to indicate that you wish to speak. Uh, first up is Commissioner Cerrone. Uh, thank you, Chair. I just had a couple of questions uh, about the process. Uh, uh, you know, by state law, the city has many constraints now to prevent delaying a residential development. For example, the city has to clearly define requirements for developers, can come back later with new requirements and requested changes. Does HCD have any constraints relative to the housing element? Can they indefinitely come back and say, hey, we, we thought of something else or we found something else or... So aside from this minor amendment, State HD has no other issues with our housing element. So this is the final step. I'm just curious, have we been dealing with the same people at HCD all along? As far as I know, yes. Okay, thanks. Uh, the ordinance seems very clear and I don't think we have much of a choice anyway, but to approve it. Thank you. Uh, and I had Several questions, actually. Uh, first of all, uh, in the staff report, there was discussion about uh, consultation with HCD on the language for this ordinance. So I can feel confident recommending this to city council and that we won't get any other unpleasant letters back. Is that correct? We're confident, given that we received the wording and then incorporated that. So we're confident. Okay, thank you. Uh, next question. On the ordinance we recommended earlier, did staff consult with anyone at HCD before drafting that, before finalizing the language on that? There has been ongoing communication with state HCD, um, and we provided the draft ordinance before it was adopted by the city council. We provided the draft ordinance with HCD so that uh, they can take a look at the final version that was going to be presented to city council. Um, sometimes, you know, the communications back and forth with the state agency, you know, we we think we understand what their uh, interests are. We try our best to meet those interests, um, which we did. Um, but I think, you know, sometimes they need to see the final version. And so given that they saw the version and had one remaining comment and we worked with them to fine tune that, you know, so what you see before you is just the last bit of it that we have worked with the, uh, with HCD. So we don't believe that there's 
um, going to be any additional comments. We've been working with them consistently, you know, and so this is the final step. Okay. I appreciate that. I'm just, I was just, I was, it's just that I was very taken aback to see that letter show up because the dead, because it was my understanding that we were under a fairly strict deadline to adopt the ordinance by January 30th and that the city would be subject to a variety of unpleasant penalties should it not do that. What, since HCD is a parent, and I am a little, I am frankly concerned by that, by the process that which the ordinance that we adopted was not the ordinance that was not met with HCG's approval. And I'll, I think I'll leave it there on that. But I guess my next question would be what penalty, what of the penalties that was, that we discussed at our January meeting, are we potentially subject to at this point slash how are we, at what point are we not going to be subject to those? Would be would it be when the would it be should the council adopt the urgency ordinance tomorrow night, or is it ongoing? Or um, I don't believe that it's going to be an ongoing, um, given the information that we've received from HCD. So, um, in large part, the housing element is in compliance. This is a very minor tweak. Again, the our original ordinance included the reference to compliance with the subdivision map back. It was just in one section of the ordinance rather than HCD's preferred section. And so, you know, to me, as I was looking at their comments, it's really just rearranging the order of the information that's provided. We as staff, when, when we're reviewing um, housing uh, developments mm -hmm. under this by right approval ordinance, we would have done the same thing. So to us, to staff, as we were looking at the comment, it didn't make, um, it did not, it would not have changed the way that we review projects, you know, however, HCD preferred the language in a different section. And so we've done that. In terms of repercussions, um, it's not totally clear what the repercussions are because this is such a minor tweak. And so, it, you know, to answer that question, we're not absolutely certain. However, um, of the items that were listed in, back in January, um, you know, potentially we could be found that the general plan could be found inadequate because um, HCD has not certified the housing element. We could be potentially vulnerable to lawsuits, fines, or attorney fee awards. There's also the builder's revenue projects. Um, cities could, you know, the city can also lose control of the land use decisions. And then courts can suspend the city's uh, authority to issue building permits, zoning changes, variances, and subdivision maps. Those were the items that were listed in the original ordinance um, in the staff report. Um, again, staff is unclear, you know, what uh, this minor uh, change, you know, if there's any consequences, you know, from this minor change. I, okay, thank you for that. I will say that I would appreciate at a later date hopefully a not very much later date more clarity on this because the consequences are very significant and I would sleep easier at night knowing we were not subject to them or if we are subject to them I would probably sleep a bit easier to know, knowing how to prepare for that. If I may through the chair um, with the dual track for the uh, formal ordinance and then the um, urgency ordinance, we believe we've covered the gap as required by the state. 
And so as long as these two um, approval tracks continue moving forward, so this evening with the Planning Commission, tomorrow evening with the City Council with the Urgency Ordinance, I believe we've covered the gap that's needed. Okay. I would just, I would appreciate it if we had some reassurances on that matter from HCD because I'm, given everything that has been transpired, I would appreciate hearing it from the state at this point. We can always keep the um, Planning Commission informed once we hear back from each seat. Yep, thank you. Mm -hmm. Commissioner Sorney? Yeah, I just... Uh... Oh, sorry about that. Just to be completely clear, no matter how minor the change is, we are 100% out of compliance, right, until they tell us we are in compliance. It may be semantics. I wouldn't say we're 100% out of compliance. I, I would say, I would frame it that we have one item, one minor change to make, and then we would meet, you know, all of the requirements. All right. Thank you. Thank you. I have no other questions, so I will go ahead and open the public hearing on this item. Uh, members of the public wishing to address the Planning Commission, please submit a speaker card to the recording officer. Use the raise hand feature now or dial star 9 on a telephone to indicate that you wish to speak. I will call upon members of the public participating in person first, and the recording officer will ask remote participants to unmute when it is their turn to address the Planning Commission. Speakers will have three minutes to speak, and the time will be displayed on the screen. I have no in-person speaker cards on this item. Is anyone else interested on speaking on this item before we hear from remote speakers? Seeing none, recording officer, do we have any remote participants wishing to speak on this item? We do not, Chair. Thank you. I'll go ahead and close the public hearing, and I'll now ask for a discussion or a motion from my colleagues. Uh, Commissioner Howe. Thank you. In regards to this um, item, I move the staff's recommendation. Recommend to the City Council to find that the action is exempt from CEQA pursuant to Public Resources Code and CEQA guidelines sections such and such. Introduce an ordinance in attachment two to amend the by right approvals, chapter 19.73 to the Sunnyvale Municipal Code. Thank you, Commissioner Howard. Second. Thank you, Commissioner Howard, your motion. Yeah, just briefly, one of the other commissioners mentioned it, and I think I mentioned it back in January. We don't really have much choice in passing this if we want to have a reasonable city. Thank you. Thank you, Commissioner Howard. Uh, yeah, this kind of uh, I'll ask about this later, but what's going on with the public comment regarding the, the village centers? Uh, I think that the comments primarily tonight from Ms. Ledbetter and Mrs. Jansen underscore the importance of our ability to have autonomy over our land use decisions. And this is a, a no-brainer. Just get it done. Thank you. Thank you. And yes, I'll be supporting the motion. Uh, I think the need to do this is obvious. I think the need to retain local control as well, a reasonable degree as defined by state law of local control over our land use is obvious. I I, no, I don't want to get into the weeds of housing element law. I did actually end up going over the code provisions that were outlined in the HCD letter. I'm I'm not a lawyer. I'm not a housing element lawyer. I do not claim to be an expert on this matter. I will say that there are in, in I will say that there are interest groups that are experts in this matter. And again, if they and if any of them are watching and they think there are issues with 
with housing element related stuff there. Welcome to give public comment. We will read it. We might not agree with it. I mean, there were definitely some letters we got mm -hmm. in the housing element that I thought, I appreciate your your advocacy on this, but I think you're, but I don't think your, your interpretation is reasonable. And I mentioned this to say that on the previous item, we did not, on the previous version of this item, we didn't get any advocacy letters on this from anybody. I We got very minimal public comment. There wasn't, there was not a lot to indicate a potential flaw in this to a planning commissioner that is not an expert and has not a, a housing element lawyer, frankly. Uh, so just, so that's, so I'll flag that. Uh, I will say that, I do think there was a there is a process there is a significant process breakdown here. Like I honestly, we should not be here tonight considering an item relating to to something that should have been final last month. I I don't I don't I I don't I don't want to be pointing fingers, but there is some. It is apparent to me reading this, getting this, that there is some miscommunication going on between HCD and the city. And I, I'm i not, I don't know whose fault it is necessarily, but I would very, I do not particularly want to see this happening again. And I, because frankly, I feel that my, my vote to recommend the previous item was erroneous, given that it did not resolve this, given that it did not resolve the the housing element issues with vis-a-vis -vis HCD. And I don't like casting votes that I end up believing to be erroneous later. So, but again, hopefully this is done and dusted and hopefully the city will, will be found fully compliant in its housing element very shortly. With that, uh, recording officer, please conduct a roll call vote. Commissioner Shukla? Yes. Commissioner Howard? Yes. Vice Chair Iglesias? Yes. Commissioner Howe? Yes. Commissioner Davis? Yes. Commissioner Cerrone? Yes. Chair Pine? Yes. The motion passes with seven yeses. Thank you. Uh, that brings us to our next item, which is item number, number three, 24-0141. Uh, forward recommendation to the city council to evaluate the minimum automobile off-street parking requirements for residential uses. Study issue CDD 19-07. Is there staff presentation? Uh, yes, good evening, Chair, members of the Planning Commission. My name is George Schroeder, Principal Planner. Um, I'll present the uh, this study issue to look at uh, residential parking. Uh, next slide, please. So the, the Planning Commission first sponsored this study issue in 2018, and it was on the books for a few years until the, the council referred it uh, a couple of years ago. And uh, they, they asked to essentially simplify the scope to just look at uh, single family, multifamily parking standards, and how do we compare with other jurisdictions? Uh, next slide, please. So just to give you a brief history of our, our parking requirements. They, they date back to 1951, when it was very simple, just one parking space per unit. And over the years, they've become more complex with, with varying requirements, depending on uh, different factors. Um, so uh, multifamily uh, spaces increased in the late 50s, and then uh, 
uh, late 60s, early 70s, there was additional parking for, you know, two bedroom and above units, uh, up to about two, two spaces per unit. Uh, in the 80s, uh, they, the, the city started to allow compact parking. At, at that time, it was up to 35% of unassigned spaces. Uh, 1996 was the last uh, most significant update, and that was um, a lot of our current requirements date back to that time. That was uh, having a two-car wide driveway for single family, two, park, two uncovered parking spaces, um, additional parking if there's limited street parking. Um, and then there was uh, more specific specificity for uh, multifamily parking, depending on the type of parking structure that was provided. Uh, and then a few years ago, uh, the, the city started to allow tandem parking for both single family and multifamily residential, also mechanized parking. So these are like the stacker parking spaces that, um, you know, don't take up as much space. You can have more, more parking. Uh, we did have a, another update uh, last year to uh, reflect uh, AB 2097, which I'll go through on the, the next slide here. So AB 2097, it, it, it says that no parking is required for in uses within a half mile of a major transit stop. And that's considered uh, our, our two uh, Caltrain stations and then eight uh, VTA light rail stations. Um, so that's currently in effect, and we did the uh, the code updates uh, early last year. Um, also, there's the state density bonus, which um, applies to uh, essentially almost every uh, multifamily project in the city, because uh, just by meeting the city's requirement for below market rate housing, it qualifies a project for a density bonus per state law, and also the automatic state um, uh, density bonus reductions in parking. So that is all also in effect. Uh, there's SB 330 and SB, uh, SB 8 that extended that. Uh, that was passed a few years ago by the state and uh, essentially any new requirements moving forward has to be objective. So uh, more or less black and white that um, anyone can read it and, and interpret it uh, as such. There's no um, uh, subjective judgment in the requirement. Uh, for accessory dwelling units, there's no parking um, required for, for construction of a new uh, ADU. Also, you can convert your existing garage to an ADU without having to provide any replacement parking. Uh, duos, those, those are the dual urban opportunity uh, units that came as a result of SB9 a couple years ago. Um, also, it's no, no parking if within a half mile of the transit and uh, also for the duos, if it's within a half mile of El Camino Real, which is considered a major uh, transportation corridor, uh, that qualifies for no parking as well. Uh, otherwise, uh, a duo would have to provide one covered space per unit in, in a one car garage or carport. And then there's been about uh, a few other state laws that were passed uh, late last year and now they're, now they're in effect. Uh, one is AB 1308. And that's uh, cities cannot require additional parking or upgrades if uh, for REAP models that are not exceeding uh, you know, maximum lot coverage or maximum floor air ratio. And uh, unbundled parking. So that is um, uh, taking out the cost of parking from the cost of, of the, you know, a lease, a rent or um, sales price of a home. Um, that is now in effect for, for new construction that uh, completes next year in 2025. Um, uh, essentially, landlords have to uh, separate the uh, the cost of parking from uh, 
the cost of the unit. And then shared parking, uh, AB 894, uh, it, it creates certain conditions where cities have to uh, accept shared parking agreements between two properties with um, typically complementary land uses. So um, like for instance, residential using an office parking uh, where there's, there's different peak demands um, and also gives cities the, the ability to uh, adopt its own ordinance and have uh, specific requirements. Next, next slide, please. So this is a summary of our current requirements for both single family, I should say single and, and two family uh, duplex units and then multifamily. And this is just uh, general standards that, um, you know, apply citywide we have some different requirements for specific plans, which I'll, I'll go over next. But uh, for for a single family, it's it's four covered. Uh, I'm sorry, two covered and two uncovered spaces for a total of four parking spaces that are required on a single family property. Uh, the covered requirement can be met either in a garage or carport, and then you have to have at least two um, two driveway spaces in a side by side format uh, to count for your uncovered requirement. And uh, we do have a requirement right now. So if, if there's a, a non-conforming garage or no garage, if you add a fourth bedroom or add um, an addition that results in 1,800 square feet of living area or more, uh, then you have to upgrade to a two-car covered parking. Uh, tandem is allowed only in certain situations. Uh, so tandem is you know a car in, in front of each other. Um, that's if you have a narrow lot or um, having a side-by-side -side garage would, you know, cut into a, a kitchen or result in significant structural modifications. And then there's also a provision for adding additional 0.4 spaces if there's limited street parking. But uh, currently that's, it's not really objective what, what is considered limited street parking. There's no definition for what that is. Uh, so moving to multifamily, every unit needs at least one covered and assigned space. And then adding on to that is additional unassigned spaces based on the, the type of uh, on the, the unit type, uh, how many bedrooms it has, and then also the type of parking structure. Is it individual garages or an open parking structure where, where it's available for anyone? Um, so essentially more assigned is required when the assigned parking is in an individual garage because the thought is that uh, people will generally use that for storage and not parking. And then less um, unassigned parking is required for um, an open parking garage that's open to all, all residents. Um, there is a compact space allowance that's up to 10% of the unassigned spaces and the compact spaces are about seven and a half feet wide by about 15 feet deep. Uh, tandem uh, parking and uh, stacker mechanized parking is allowed for uh, up to 50% of the units requirement. And then there's also the limited street parking uh, provision, but it's it's even less objective by not really specifying. Um, it just says the review body can specify that, that number. Next slide, please. And then uh, these are our major specific plan areas and you know, most of them have their own requirements, which are generally less than um, than the citywide standard. And uh, all other standards, such as the uh, you know drive aisle widths, parking space dimensions, those default to the the, the general uh, code standards. 
Um, but most of these plans are, are near transit, so they have lower parking requirements. Um, some some um, mirror each other. Uh, the Moffat Park plan, as you all know, was recently adopted, and, and that's the most current, and that has no minimum parking requirements. Um, you know, most of those properties are are near the the VTA light rail, and there's a maximum parking uh, of about one space per unit, with plans to reduce that even further. And and both in Moffat Park and downtown, uh, the, there's a tandem allowance for up to 100% of the units, rather than the 50%. Uh, next slide, please. Uh, so these are just some of the uh, summary of the requirements for other housing types that are um, like our special housing types, uh, senior housing, affordable housing, uh, mobile home parks, and uh, single room occupancy or SROs. Uh, so these these have been in place for um, for years now, and there, and at the state level, there's been additional reductions, like in the state density bonus law, uh, essentially not requiring parking for affordable and, and senior housing if, if certain conditions are met and, and near transit. Next slide. And then these are also um, already in, in place in our code for um, additional provisions that apply uh, for shared parking. It, it is currently allowed, but it, there is a, a discretionary planning permit that is allowed to consider that. Uh, parking management plans, this is usually a, a condition that we apply for every new development to look at the details of, um, of parking, like for guest parking and assigned parking, um, special striping, markings. Um, and then we have electric vehicle parking requirements that are specified by our, our REACH codes. Uh, it, it applies to both single family and multifamily. Um, essentially, all new construction will need to be pre-wired uh, for, uh, for EV. Um, and then compact parking generally is, is allowed for up to 10%, but it's not allowed in mobile home parks um, at the time. Next slide. Um, so we, we did look at the parking requirements in other jurisdictions, um, all the other cities within the county, and then eight other peer jurisdictions that are similar in nature to size uh, and demographics of Sunnyvale um, outside the county, but within the, the Bay Area. Um, and generally, uh, most... Most cities, uh, you know, Sunnyvale has a, a higher requirement than most cities. Um, and they don't have our distinctions such as whether the spaces are covered or, or uncovered, assigned, unassigned. They, they generally specify uh, a, a number of spaces per unit that you need to provide. Um, and then they don't get into the parking structure type, like is or, or is a individual garage provided or open parking. Um, so for for single and, and two family, generally it's it's two spaces that are required in other jurisdictions. There are a few that that also require four, like Sunnyvale, that are uh, within Santa Clara County. Um, though, in, and then also, even though they might require two spaces, they also require um, large front yard setbacks that are large enough to park two cars in that location. So that's kind of a requirement by proxy. Um, that's also re required. And then some jurisdictions don't even um, give credit for parking in the front yard. So it, it's all over the place with, with what other um, jurisdictions are requiring, but these are just the general findings. And then for multifamily, it's, it's essentially the, the bedroom count, um, different number for each type of bedroom, and then a additional percentage or, or ratio for, for guest parking. Next slide. Um, we also looked at the U.S. Census 
American Community Survey data, which is the most most up to date for, um, you know, how how do we we stack up with other jurisdictions for for car ownership and then uh, people per household to see if there's, um, you know, if there's any uh, warrant for reducing parking potentially and uh, generally. Uh, the uh, Sunnyvale has a higher percentage of, of households uh, with no vehicles available, uh, fewer households with more than one vehicle, and then fewer people occupying housing units. So um, that, that might suggest uh, a reduction. Uh, next slide, please. So we have, we have some options to consider. Um, one is a, a moderate uh, reduction to the parking standards, and this would apply citywide for just our, our general uh, code uh, code required parking and also the specific plans and special housing developments. Uh, so for single and two family, this could be it's and you know, this is all 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 up open for discussion. Uh, a minimum of two spaces instead of four, and there could be more flexibility, uh, uncovered or uncovered, side by side or in tandem, and. Um, if, if doing this, this would also remove the requirement to upgrade to a two-car garage or carport for certain types of additions because there would just be two spaces. And, you know, this is somewhat already in place with single-family properties that are near uh, major transit. Uh, there's no parking requirement right now. And then for, for duos and ADUs, there's also uh, no or, or very limited parking requirement. And then for uh, multifamily uh and, and you know throughout the city, this could be something that's uh, a simple flat rate, and it would align with the state density bonus law that that already allows this uh, this parking requirement um, if if meeting our our BMR requirements. Um, the only change in this would be for the four bedrooms, four plus bedrooms. Currently, the state requires two point five spaces, and um, we were just suggesting two spaces per unit. Um, but these are, you know, suggested uh, considerations and, um, but we thought that since most projects can already um, uh, qualify for this standard that uh, might be taking a look at, at this. Um, and then also looking at our, our compact allowances, um, maybe it's too much, um, just whether these, these spaces are, are even used or usable. And then looking at the possible increase to tandem, so maybe looking at 50 to 100% uh, for, for tandem parking. And uh, we'd also go through the code in our specific plans to make sure all the requirements are objective, so we're in compliance with state law and without discretionary reviews, so we don't have to take a, a project to a hearing just for, for shared parking. Um, and then we would address all the, the recent state laws, housing element policies, uh, the Metropolitan Transportation Commission policy about parking maximums near near transit. Um, so this this could um, these reductions could assist property owners. Um, they would also be more comparable to other jurisdictions, um, contribute to decrease housing costs, um, in increasing potential uh, units, allowing more flexibility um for uh for families to live together um uh lots lots of benefits uh, but there are also some trade-offs that would be involved as well um that could be you know fewer guest parking spaces more demand on um on street parking so it's it's uh definitely something to 
uh, to consider. Uh, next slide, please. Uh, other other options would be um, on the other extreme would be to eliminate parking uh, minimums completely, and this has already been done by uh, some of the other uh, larger cities within the Bay Area, uh, uh, notably San Jose did this recently, and instead they're relying on on transportation demand management plans instead of um, having a minimum parking, and um, some of the smaller projects like single family are exempted from uh, the minimums completely. Um, or looking at parking maximums uh, instead of uh, parking minimums, and this is being done in, in Moffat Park. Um, another option is just to, to keep the status quo. Uh, we might look at making, making sure all our requirements are objective, but uh, essentially keeping the ratios the, the same as what we're requiring right now. Uh, next slide. Uh, so no decisions on uh, reductions or uh, keeping things the same or increases are, are going to be made tonight. It's just um, providing us some feedback and directions so we can um, take that to the council and uh, get direction on some future amendments if if warranted. Uh, so just just kind of a just rough uh, next steps. We would um, get direction from um, the planning commission and council. Um, we're looking at the council meeting on March 19th, and we would come back with some some draft modifications. We would have um, outreach, public outreach um, about these potential modifications, um, uh, probably a study session as well to take a look at these more in detail. We would also have to do uh, a sequel review for the environmental impacts of uh, this potential change, and then come back later for um, formal amendment hearings um, at the Planning Commission and the City Council level. Uh, next slide. Uh, so the, the alternatives would be uh, alternative one, which is essentially the, the moderate reduction in, um, in parking. Um, alternative one with modifications. And then um, alternative three was, is keeping the status quo with the parking requirements. And uh, staff recommends alternative one uh, to uh, give us direction on uh, moderate reductions to the parking standards for both both types of residential land uses, and then uh, looking at making um, requirements more objective and uh, without discretion. And that, that concludes our pr presentation. We'll answer any questions. Thank you for that very thorough presentation. And we have several commissioner questions. First up is Commissioner yeah. Howard. There you go. Thank you, Chair. Uh, I'm surprised I'm the first. Uh, so, my question: have, have we? Do we know how much it costs? Say, uh, we've got six six and a half percent of the population doesn't own a car, and I see a lot of these guys going up and down Sunnyvale Avenue. You know, getting to work. They're on bicycles. They're kind of dressed dark. They're kind of hard to see, but they're they're working service jobs. They're not making big money. And I suspect they're riding a bicycle because they don't own a car. They're getting to work. They're getting back and like, you know, good on them. But my wonder is, you know, they're, they're coming up to the north side of the city. They, they rent an apartment somewhere. Um, and it, the apartment comes with a, a, a parking spot that they don't use. How much, like how, what's the value of that parking spot? How much of additional rent are they paying each month? for this parking spot that they can't afford to use. 
Um, like my the, the my back of the envelope math was that you know that parking spot means that they have to work an extra day every month for this thing that they don't use. Have, have, has has there been any study, or do we have any you know idea of what what the what the the, the cost of mandate minimum parking is on the people who don't drive? Um, no, we don't we don't have those numbers, and I, I think it depends on the type of parking structure, and then you know the. How, how new the development is, but they, they can be uh, largely expensive, especially if it's in a parking structure, the parking spaces, um, you know, tens of thousands per, uh, per park, per parking space. And I think it just fluctuates throughout the years. Yeah. And that's something that we can, we can dive into a little bit more, but, um, but for all, you know, one of the new state laws is that um, for all new, new construction that, that completes next year, um, the you know the property owners have to separate the cost of that that parking from the from the the, the rent or the the cost of the of the units yeah whatever that might be and I I really like that I think it would be nice if we could you know extend that throughout the city if you don't need a parking spot you can just opt out and get a discount on your rent or mm -hmm. have the right to sublet it on on the open market say like you know no this is totally legal. I'm renting you my parking spot for 200 bucks a month or whatever. I don't need a car. I'm riding to work. You need a place to park because maybe you need extra parking, but to make it explicitly clear that, look, you know, you, you're in control here. You, you do not, the onus is not on you uh, to have to cover this resource that, that you don't use. Ideally the landlords could unbundle them everywhere because the landlords are better at, you know, this is a space, this is the market value. I'm going, I'm going to find somebody to rent it out and handle the paperwork and stuff like that. Cause the guy who's trying to bike down to work in the kitchen, he, he, why does he got to manage a sublet relationship with his parking spot? You know, he's, he's just trying to get to work. So I appreciate that. My other note was on page 15 of 18 of the staff report, uh, eliminate required parking minimums for residential development. I, I, this is an option I'm very interested in, but there was a line permit parking has added enforcement costs to the city. And I said, well, does it have to be that way? Uh, I grew up in Chicago. If you want to park your car in Chicago, it's, so I'll preface this. Many people, maybe even most in Sunnyvale are not from here. Many, many of us are actually from different countries and stuff like that. So the the, the cultural expectations around parking are all over the board. Where I came from, uh, if you own a car in the city of Chicago and you want to park it on the street, you've got to get a city sticker. Uh, that's a hundred bucks a year if you got a small car. That's like three fifty if you've got a big car. Uh, if you really want to have a private parking space, you go and you find somebody who will will will, will lease you a garage. Um, but generally the expectation is like, if you've got a car, that's, that's a, that's a burden on you. You've got to park it somewhere. Brooklyn was even more, more brutal. Um, so Mike, the, and maybe this is a rhetorical question, but need permit parking add enforcement costs to the city. I think that's a choice that we make as a city that, oh, we'll cover the cost of the per parking permit problem, parking permit, parking permit system. Uh, but from my experience, this city could use that as a revenue source. Take look if you want to park on the street. I've got a neighbor who complains that these other guys get like they've got cars parked all up and down the street. I hate these guys. You know, like can, can we do something about this? Well, you know, if we charge for parking on the street, 
then we could do something about that. And it could be a revenue source. That could be something that we could invest in public transportation or bicycle infrastructure or making sure that people who do need parking do have access to it if they're lower income. So there's lots, lots of options there. Uh, I will stop talking now. Uh, thank you for your time. Thank you. Next up is Commissioner Cerrone. Uh, thank you, Chair, and uh, thanks for the excellent presentation. Um, why, why is this uh, coming to us now? Is this a milestone in the study issue process to go to commissions and council at some point to get feedback? Yes, uh, it's it's been on the, the books for a couple of years now and just trying to get other study issues out of the way. And um, we spent a lot of time going into the um, other jurisdictions requirements. We went through every uh, about yeah, about 21 different uh, 22 uh, different jurisdictions. Uh, so that took some time. And then uh, just just doing a lot of thinking about what would be kind of a good middle ground um, for uh, potential parking options. Um, so. It's kind of where we're at right now. Okay. Um, so, as you mentioned, this is residential only. I guess this was changed at some point to reduce the cost. But uh, so, first of all, is there another study issue to look at uh, commercial, uh, non-residential parking? Uh, no, not at this time. It, this, yes, it, it was a broader scope originally, and then it got reduced to looking at, at residential. And you mentioned a couple times, but I guess my concern would be that does this, since it's residential only, does it prevent us from considering shared parking, which could be very significant, like in Moffat Park and, and other places? Is, is that explicitly part of this study issue still or not because it's residential only? Uh, it, it would include shared parking. And that's that's one of the new state laws. Um, and it's, it's essentially calling for cities to adopt their own shared parking ordinance because um, the state has some interesting requirements about noticing for for um, uh, for shared parking proposals, but that could be avoided if if the cities adopt their own. But it's part of it. I mean, it, and it it does include you know non-residential properties, um, but uh, we we do want to make sure we we address that and um, make 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 it easier to do. Um, so on another subject, uh, uh, garage conversion. So. Uh, uh, I guess it's legal with permits to convert your garage to something else and then it's defined as legal non-conforming. Um, uh, I think you mentioned replacement parking is not required when a garage or carport is in converted to an ADU, or I guess this would be a junior ADU in this case, uh, or demolished for the purpose of constructing an ADU. But uh, if it's not an ADU, uh, replacement covered parking is otherwise required. Is that right? That's correct. Yes. So, and that would be kind of in the scope of this particular study issue, right? Looking something like that. It is, and it's a common occurrence that we uh, we work with property owners on, and, and a lot of times it restricts their options because they have to find where else to put the parking, and a lot of times there's not any space to to do it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, on the compact parking, uh, so you mentioned it's prohibited in mobile home parks, uh, prohibited in non-residential spots. Now, I know this is residential, but is, is that unusual for compact parking? I'm sure when I go to other places, other cities, that there is compact parking in commercial or 
uh, retail spots? Yes, I think it's just to make sure that these parking spaces are are usable because, you know, over the years, cars have gotten bigger and uh, a lot of them can't fit into the, the compact uh, parking spaces. So that I think that was the reason why it was prohibited in non-residential. So shopping centers just not having some chaos in the parking lot and making sure that, uh, yeah. Well, or even in a uh, industrial office mm -hmm. kind of thing. Where I worked in San Jose, we have a row of regular uh, parking, a row of compact, and um, um, so. But uh, that's also going to be part of this, right? Is looking at compact parking in the yes. Um. Uh, what is, how is uh, senior housing uh, defined? Is my house senior housing? It's usually uh, restricted to uh, to senior housing, so it's like a deed deed restricted, and it's it's um, built or converted specifically for that that purpose. Um, so multi use, uh, multi family. Uh, yes, typically it's it's um, you have like a a set number of units within development as senior, or maybe it's an all senior housing development. Um, but it's, it's specifically, you know, deed restricted and there's like a, uh, agreement with the city. Um, and I was surprised that limited street parking had no definition, uh, and is not an objective standard, but, uh, I guess staff has been using this 0 0.4 spaces per unit as a definition. Um, so as part of this, are we, is this explicitly part of the study to make this, uh, to come up with an objective standard for limited street parking? Uh, yes. Yeah, so if, if the Planning Commission and Council is interested in keeping this provision, uh, we would look at ways to have an objective requirement. You know, uh, if there's no uh, space in front that's greater than 20 feet or something like that, then um, you'd have to provide additional parking. Or it could be removed. It's, it's up to the um, Commission and Council's uh, uh, discretion. And uh, you mentioned, you know, the comparisons for all the other cities, but are those, uh, 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 do those incorporate the BMR reduced parking or is that because that is that the same for every locale? So you don't need to take that into consideration. Yeah, that was just without taking into account BMR reductions. It's just kind of their, their straight uh, parking rates. Because it's the same in every city. Correct. Because every, every city could, could uh, have the, you know, uh, account for the state density bonus reduction. Okay, great. That's all I have for now. Thank you. Next up is Commissioner Howe. Thank you. Um, thanks for the presentation. I have a question. It has to do with single family homes and you say single family and multifamily. Where does for sale condominiums and for sale uh, townhouses come into this which category? If it's not just in the single family, then I need to know what it is. <laughs> that that would be multifamily. It would be multifamily. Correct. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Next step is Commissioner Shukla. Thank you. Oh, it's on. Thank you for the great presentation. I think it's a wonderful idea that we should look into it and kind of come up with um, a little bit aggressive um, policies to reduce the parking requirements. I have one question that when we do that, it will affect uh, certain other policies too. 
mainly in the residential single family residential development uh, when we remove um, the parking let's say no requirements the covered parking garage people are tending people tend to park on their driveway and um, maybe it will change because they want to make it um, as developed so mda will increase if they are remodeling and also sometimes the cars are parked all the way to the pedestrian pathway so i think there are some implications when we work on these policies that it would be nice to look into it because i've kind of while studying all other projects uh, certain streets are wider like the roads are wider and some roads are uh, very narrow and also the some of the streets are very close to multi family house homes single family residences the so they go and park to the next um, neighborhood and i think it's perfect it's good but there are some roads which are so large and i know we can't have a two different policies but just it's nice to look into it that utilize those roads um, uh, for you know or allow the the uh, multi family homes to come like one one road uh, next to the you know one block away and park even though they are doing it but they should be allowed and not uh, like sometimes people call up and say this car is parked here for 48 hours and then the tow company comes or something like that so i just think that there should be uh, we should look into certain policies that ease out uh, those restrictions because this behavior will have effect anyway thank you that's just my suggestions Thank you. Next up is Vice Chair Glacius. Thank you, Chair. Uh, you turned it off when I was. Thank you, Chair. I, I do think it's funny that red means you can talk and green means don't. Um, so first off, thank you for the presentation. Um, I kind of have two minds about this. Um, the first is it, it does feel a bit exploratory as in like, let's go try to investigate something. Um, whereas I don't feel that the problem statement is that obvious, at least to me, from what I've observed on the commission. Uh, but then secondly, I do like the thought of um, loosening restrictions, and I am supportive of homeowner rights in general. So if there are things that are going to facilitate building, by and large, I support that. Um, given the fact that there are a blend of assembly bills and Senate bills that limit the purview of this, I am one of the things I would be curious about is to know uh, what amount of residents could actually be impacted. Um, I'd want to know who are who are benefiting um, essentially. Um, anecdotally, I I don't think there's been a lot of request to reduce um, amongst people that have presented and brought um, issues to the planning commission. I, I can't imagine. I haven't heard at least um, anyone saying that it, 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 it this is a burden for them. Um, but we have heard the opposite, and the opposite I mean we have had people had concern about people building bigger homes um, or developments based off of street traffic um, and also limited parking on streets. I do think that there are is a safety concern. I think there's a benefit um, to having cars not parked on the street. Um, that benefit, I think, extends to bikers. I think it extends to people who are trying to pull out of their driveway. I, I It would be helpful to have a study uh, that looks at the amount of con, um, parking congestion on the street and seeing if there is a correlation with um, like bike accidents or other vehicle accidents. Um, I think that seems like a pretty reasonable hypothesis. Um, and then um, do we have any um, 
um, not history, but do we have any um, information about applicants in the past who've tried to do remodeling or building or what have you, and they've been impaired by parking requirements? If we have any type of, of information or evidence like that, I think that'd be really helpful because if I were to know that, you know, X percent of people who've brought at least um, something to the planning department wanting to build, but then they've determined that it was not feasible because of this, that would help. Um, and then the, the last thing I just wanted to conclude with was I would be concerned about charging for street parking, but only because I feel like that could have uh, a disproportionately adverse effect for those that are more economically disadvantaged. Um, I feel that people who have um, bigger driveways um, probably can afford to park in them and they have more space. And worse, whereas areas that have higher concentrations and density, I think might be more economically disadvantaged in general. And that would be a hypothesis that I'd want to investigate further. But um, I, I do think that that I, I would be supportive of the um, study session simply because we'd be able to investigate some of these things further. Thank you. Thank you. Next up is Commissioner Davis. Uh, thank you for the presentation. Thank you for the presentation. Thank you for pulling together all this data. I know that was very tedious and mind numbing. Um, uh, I had some questions about the limited street parking provisions. Um, it does seem like every jurisdiction is its own special snowflake when it comes to parking minimums. Um, uh, aside from, does anybody else do this? <laughs> the limited street parking um, provision. Does anybody else have anything like that? Um, not off the top of my head. Um, and I do want to thank one of our, our planners who um, was was here before Drew Typlin. He, he compiled all, all the data before he uh, left for another jurisdiction and spent a lot of time on this. But um, uh, and I wish he could help. But um, no, not that I not that I know of um, off the top of my head. It, I think it was a, a specific uh, requirement that was put in place in the 90s just as a result of maybe complaints about um you know, not enough street parking or, or having more more parking on site. Um, and this is when, yeah, the requirements got more complex and larger um, larger cars can play SUVs and, and such. Uh, thank you. That's all my questions. Thank you. And I had a few questions, but I'm going to actually start off with a couple comments uh, to a couple points that were raised. First of all, I'd note that we have we have seen some multifamily ideas don't I didn't prepare the list, but I note that we did have we have had some multifamily uh, uh, projects come that specifically required that specifically had notably fewer parking spots than would be required by our general ordinance. They had waivers due to being either in, being either near transit or being in a specific plan area or sometimes just a density blown bonus waiver. I I don't know how and. I don't know how helpful it would be if those were included. And when this comes back, it's just a kind of examples of what the of of how this could be of how this could potentially benefit if it were applied elsewhere in the city. I don't I don't know how helpful that would be, but I'll just throw that out there as something that could be included in in the study. Uh, I'd also I'd also note street parking wise just. Anecdotally, I live on a street that's kind of 
like a block rather that's kind of weird in terms of this because like the because i live at fair oaks and taylor and like the apartments fronting fair oaks are quite are pretty old like my apartment only has one building only has one unit one uncovered unit per resident so i I looked it up sometime when it was constructed. I don't remember what it is off the top of my head, but it's it's got to have been in one of those in like the very first round of parking requirements. Uh, but then, but then also on Taylor, you have these very new developments that have gone up just in the last decade. Uh, and I can say anecdotally that the that the street parking on Taylor in the evening is full to the point where people are. parking where they should not be parking frankly uh so the so just from an income so just from an i would guess it would code as on the poorer side generally just based on the 50s just based on the 50s construction but i again that would be speculation and it would i agree that would be interesting to have a more thorough take on that i'd also note that i love what commissioner howard said about about funding transit that way and i wish the system was set up so i could be sure that if we tried doing that it would fund transit in sunnyvale and it would not fund better transit to downtown san jose uh, which i feel it would which i feel it would which so uh so if there so if there was some so that's one kind of qualm i'd have about that but uh to my questions uh first of all uh you mentioned that the attachment eight uh the, the which which was very helpful by the way but you mentioned that the that's from the acs data marketing community service i was wondering if you knew off if you knew what the definition of was whether there was a specific definition of vehicle used or whether that's or whether that's just kind of what you'd assume from the word vehicle uh yes it, it doesn't i mean i i think it's generally a, a you know a, an automobile but um, i don't think it specifies which which that is but it's something we can we can yeah, take a look at further my my one thought there was that of i'd think a vehicle would also include like a motorcycle that would have significantly reduced parking requirements and i mean if you just go by the rigorous definition it could also include like a bicycle or a scooter which is technically a vehicle although i don't think it, i don't think that i would respond that that to a vehicle count like my i don't think i would count my little kick scooter as a vehicle for somebody that i store in my front hallway as some as something that i respond to on a survey but i do but i do think like motorcycles like dirt bikes i noticed that the higher counts of vehicles tended to be kind of the small like the smaller richer communities that are kind of up in the hills and i can imagine like they might have like dirt bikes that count for that or I don't know. It, this is me just wildly speculating. So I don't know if there's a way to get cleaner data on that. But and I I wouldn't want city staff to spend an exorbitant amount of time on that. But it was just something I thought about. Uh, uh, question. Uh, so motion question. Uh, regarding the uh, does staff recommendate if we went with alternative one, the staff recommendation would that include? studying the eliminate required parking minimums option or is that something that we would have to explicitly include in the motion if we wanted that to potentially be looked at and potentially come back 
Um, I think that would be an alternative too, with uh, the alternative one with modifications and you can specify um, additional things or maybe things be taken away, uh, but yes. Okay. Uh, okay, so if we want to include that, we should go with alternative two and specify yes. that explicitly. Okay. And and such an alternative two would not, if we just added it, it wouldn't exclude also studying the kind of the uh, moderately reduced option that's essentially an alternative one that's an alternative one is written that, that's correct i mean the motion yes. is essentially specifying the parameters of the additional study the okay thank you forward. and obviously if we wanted to we could also just say we could also just cut that out entirely i personally would not support that but i think it's something we could recommend if we wanted to uh uh on page 16, under the fiscal impact provision, there's a question, there's language about if the city council directs changes that require detailed parking studies that could create a larger budget impact, uh, what would be the kind of change that would require a detailed parking study? So this would be if the council asked for uh, like counting cars, like, uh, okay. you know, you know, in the middle of the night going out and, and, and counting cars and parking lots and seeing how many spaces are occupied and, and things like that and or any kind of like very detailed parking studies. Okay, but it wouldn't be triggered by like any of the options that were covered that were uh, like covered. No, that okay. it's just no, we, we cool. don't want to expect that. Okay, just wanted to be clear on that. Uh and I'll and one last thing. Uh and feel free to tell me the answer. Feel free to tell me no on this, but uh when you went through that timeline on slide 13 about uh, about the timeline of future, about, well, the future actions, is there any kind of estimate on kind of the calendar, kind of just a calendar timeline of when that might happen? Or is that just entirely dependent? Well, assuming there was council direction, phrase it that way, would there be any timeline? Do you have any kind of estimate on the calendrical timeline on that? Or is that just completely dependent on departmental workload? I think it's depending on the workload, but um, I think we've done a lot of the work already on the, the front end, and that, I think that will reduce the amount of time, and um, just depending on if there's any changes at the council level. But, I mean, it could be theoretically, you know, later on this year or maybe early next. Okay, that's, that is an answer that makes me very happy. <laughs> like, uh, like, honestly, I, we, like, I'm, I would be thrilled to see this come back to see this come back for a final thing later this later this year early next year so uh, thank you very much uh, uh with that uh commissioner howard thank thank you chair i'll, I'll try to be quick this is just follow-ups to other commissioners uh the first is uh commissioner iglesias i got three points uh one is uh and i don't quote me on this i'm not a traffic engineer but my understanding is that street parking should improve uh street safety the reason is that uh, when you're driving a car you're going down the road the wider the road is the faster you feel empowered to drive the narrower it feels the slower the more you slow down so if there's cars on the side of the street you're like okay i'm this is not this is not Matilda. I'm, I'm, I'm slowing down. Uh, there's a higher likelihood you're going to clip somebody's mirror or something like that. But if you're, there is a crash, um, the, the pedestrian or cyclist involved is far more likely to survive because you're going so much slower than you would, uh, than if you felt empowered to drive on a wider street, that didn't have any cars parked on it. Um, another one is the, the, I, I appreciate your interest in, Oh, we could charge for parking, but what about low income people? Well, give them a waiver, uh, like you do with, uh, school lunches. If, 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 if 
paying the parking fee is, is a hardship on you. Uh, we don't need to pile hardship on you. Just, you know, submit the paperwork. We'll get, we'll get you a waiver you're, you're taken care of. Um, as far as, you know, the, I, I liked your thought about, you know, uh, how many homeowners have submitted plans to expand their property and, but then they ran up against the parking restrictions. I can say as a homeowner who's underparked, uh, you know, I, my understanding is that if I added square footage to my house with a permit, I would have to dig up the side yard and expand the, I, I qualify for a tan garage because well, it's a small property, but like, I'm not even going to think about it because I, I, I kind of like my garage as it is without a car in it. Don't tell anybody. Uh, as far as the, the I, I like the chair's observation that if we did collect money for public transit, it would all get sucked down to San Jose. I share that concern. However, uh, we've been working on the silic, uh, bringing in the Silicon Valley Hopper, which is a, a, a shuttle system. The Sunnyvale Equity and Education people have been very big on it. And I've, as a guy who loves transit, I've kind of like, I felt two ways about it. One is like, you know, are we going to undermine transit? But the other thing is like, you know, the, the city's got to pony up a million dollars that gets mashed by federal funds or whatever. Well, where's that million dollars coming from? If we could just raise it off of street, you know, street parking or whatever, you know, uh, I would feel better about supporting that. Then we're, we're taking one behavior that we're trying to reduce and using that to encourage a behavior. You know, th it really works even better if you've got this opportunity where like, oh, you can take the shuttle and uh, it costs more to store your car in the street, but you can take the shuttle and it's discounted, but it costs more to, you know, some people are, 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 are people who are not going to own a car is going to be somewhat higher than six and a half percent. We'll push it up towards 10%. We'll be meeting our climate goals. It'd be wonderful. So uh, thank you. Thank you. And that's all for com all commissioner questions I have. So I will go ahead and open the public hearing on this item. Members of the public wishing to address the planning commission, please submit a speaker card to the recording officer. Use the raise hand feature now or I'll start an iron telephone and indicate that you wish to speak. I will call upon members of the public participating in person first, and the recording officer will ask for more to unmute when is their turn to address the planning commission. Speakers will have three minutes to speak, and the timer will be displayed on the screen. I have no in-person speaker cards. Do you have any remote part recording officer? Do you have any remote participants wishing to speak on this item? Will you not, Chair? Thank you. I will go ahead and close the public hearing. I will now ask for discussion or a motion from my colleagues. Commissioner Davis. Yeah, yeah, I'm not quite ready to make a motion. Just a, a few comments, I guess. Um, one, it, it's a veritable maze uh, for people looking to build something in the city right now. And so just cleaning that up and making it simple and streamlined, uh, I, I think is very valuable. Um, going to my work experience, we, we need to refactor this in a serious way. Um, it's just too confusing. Um, speaking to the idea that the current thicket of requirements and so on kind of depresses housing units, um, I've had several multifamily developers, you know, when you ask them, why not more units? Why not more units? Why didn't you go seven stories instead of six? Um, they very often tell us um, parking. Um, parking's keeping us from, from putting in more units. Um, we run into that and we've heard that from the village center uh, proposals. Um, so it, it's definitely a constraint. Um, uh, yeah, I'll once we make a motion, I'll be very supportive of it just to, to clean this up and make things run faster. 
Thank you. Commissioner Cerny. Uh, thanks, Chair. Um, so for uh, just some comments, for a multifamily development close to transit uh, where there is no parking minimum, so we've seen developers still include parking, although maybe not enough guest parking, but, you know, it's hard to rent something where you say, well, of course you can't park here. Uh, so, um, but uh, there's always a possibility that some kind of rogue developer will just really skimp on the uh, parking and uh, essentially forcing, they say you can park in Safeway here or, uh, or on the street. So then the city or somebody else is subsidizing their business. So I, I guess I'd be hesitant to uh, uh, completely remove the minimums, but uh, 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 you know, ch uh, changing them, lowering the minimums, you know, would make sense, but somehow it seems like we should protect against just uh, irresponsible uh, developers, however few there may, may be. Um, on the other hand, and there is some interest uh, uh, in uh, deliberately starving parking in order to make it expensive or impossible to own a car. Uh, I agree that we want as many people as possible to be on bikes or walking, but in my experience, even people who, who are on bikes 90% of the time still own cars. Uh, even if they don't use them very often. I think the best way to get people to ride bikes is to make it safe to ride bikes, uh, but that's expensive for the city in terms of infrastructure, whereas a, an unfunded mandate to remove parking spaces looks cheaper anyway. Um, so in general, I'm opposed to parking requirements that are strictly punitive for car owners with no other community benefits. Um, some of the cars could be electric vehicles, but if it's a question of allocating resources between cars and bikes, for example, converting a car lane to a bike lane, uh, I'm supportive of that. And charge changes that reflect the true cost of parking, like unbundling parking, also are good. But I'm not a fan of deliberately making life hard for someone in a car just because we think they should be doing something different. Um, so again, unbundled parking um, is uh, required for uh, the, the AB 1317 requires unbundled parking for new uh, residential rental properties. Um, and I think wherever we can do that, that's a, that's a good idea because uh, uh, it, it, it solves part of the thing Commissioner Howard was talking about. And so, People aren't paying for something they don't need, and uh, you know it allows for a more flexible um, uh, utilization of the, util, utilization of those resources. Um, so, when we maybe when we get to a motion, or maybe you can tell me this is covered. But um, so, I would be interested in seeing information, uh, for example, about how many single-family homeowners are using their garage for parking as opposed to storage workshops, home offices. I think in the staff report, there was a uh, a comment that most most of them are used that way. I don't know. Um, and another question would be, are 
multifamily parking spaces uh, underutilized, overutilized. It would be nice to know where we are now so we understand how much we're trying to modify people's behavior. Now, uh, uh, I, I wrote this down earlier, and then you just said uh, this is an example of something that would have a big fiscal impact. <laughs> so maybe a, a, you know, a sampled way of doing it would be could be done, but I think that would be useful information uh, to know are, you know, are, are some of these uh, multifamily uh, developments, are the parking lots half full or are they overflowing and people are parking all over the streets, creating havoc for uh, the neighbors? That would be useful information. And I think we already said the uh, study includes shared parking, which is good, and compact parking, also good. And I agree with uh, Commissioner Davis's comment about making all of this as simple as possible. And there, you know, a reference to making, uh, uh, I think there was a term of flat rate or simplifying the uh, requirements, uh, definitely a good idea. That's all I have, thanks. Thank you, uh, Commissioner, uh, Commissioner Howard. Thank you, Chair, are we prepared for a motion? Uh, I believe we are. Vice Chair Iglesias, did you have a question or? Um, I have a comment, but I can I can wait till after the motion, actually. Okay. Uh, Commissioner Howard. Uh, just as soon hear the comment, but I figured I'd take a crack at a motion just because I, we've got the staff recommendation, which I think is fine, but uh, try something a little bit different. Uh, I would like to recommend to the city council that we look into inve investigating uh, one, repealing parking minimums for residential. Uh, two, if we could, for existing uh, tenants, if we could unbundle their parking situation, if there's a way to do that uh, fairly and equitably. And three, uh, this might be a separate study issue, but investigate whether we could charge for street parking with exceptions for low income. Uh, I think this might be beyond the scope of the study issue, but we can recommend the the, the direction that we would end up going in. The, 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 the look into charging for street parking with low income uh, provisions and except for low income uh, with the intention to use the funding for healthy transportation. For example, the um, funding the Silicon Valley Hopper program. Thank you. Uh, just to clarify, uh, was that was uh, that was the direct? So the direction was the motion was to uh, eliminate was to eliminate parking minimums. Uh, explore was sorry to study eliminate eliminate required parking minimums. Uh, on study unbundling parking and uh, the street parking thing. That was the entirety of the motion. Yeah, with the recommendation that we would. Uh, let me get your mic back on. Sorry, I, I press, I've, I've missed yeah. pressing, but with their recommendation that subsequently we, we might look into charging for street parking. Okay, thank you. Uh, Commissioner Davis. Um, that was in addition, that was option two, in addition to the staff recommendation, those areas that uh, you limited. I forget the... I'm looking at the wrong thing. This is, this would probably be something like an option to, like, 
so alternative alternative to um i so in in the staff report on page 15 they had for example you could eliminate required parking minimums yeah. residential development so i don't know if this is necessarily alternative to modifying alternative one because it's it's sort of it's not alternative one it's it's a it's a more aggressive approach so this is alternative four i guess okay so this is not in addition to um the staff recommendation this is replaces the staff recommendation yeah i okay. I, I would okay thank they, you. They, I got it. you could potentially do both but I, I i i think what i just said is probably uh, the staff recommendation is reasonable but this is the more maximalist approach and i'm just curious if we get any traction on it thank you uh i this is okay i believe that motion dies for lack of a second uh uh commission uh vice chair glaciers thank you chair um so i have what i think is going to probably be a dissenting opinion and i'm okay with that um but I think that we need to have a higher threshold for um, when we want to devote finite staff time to a study issue. For me, this feels like we are proposing a solution in search of a problem. And I think that we need a, a more articulated problem set that needs to predicate a study session. And, and the reason I say that is we do have other things. And this is actually an appreciation for staff time. I, acknowledging that the, the um, presentation was very helpful, it was very insightful, but not there to me there's just on the face of it there isn't a case saying that this is a need or requirement and so with that in mind saying i would rather preserve staff time to research other things so um with that being the case um i move um alternative three do not modify parking requirements at this time not to be indefinite but saying that right now that the threshold hasn't been met thank you uh commissioner how for what purpose you you had microphone earlier. I just wanted to check in. Well, turn it on, or it is on. Red means go. <laughs> I don't know how somebody came up with that. Yeah, I have an alternative motion. Okay. Uh, in that case, I that motion for alternative three dice for lack of a second, Commissioner <laughs> Commissioner Howe. Sure, I move the staff re staff recommendation and take the comments that Commissioner Howard had and put them in a group and send them to the city council and let them decide with their budget and the rest of it what to do. Commissioner Howard? Commissioner Howard seconds Commissioner Howe's motion. Thank you. Commissioner Howe, your motion. Sure. When this goes, I think they said May or um, March 19th, by that time, the city staff will be able to say, these are the things that we can do within the scope of the budget. And these things are the things that the planning commission wanted to study. And you need to decide if you want to um, include them or not. Thank you, Commissioner Howard. Thank you, Chair. Uh, I support the motion. I think it's a reasonable middle of the road, pardon the pun, approach to, to the issue. Uh, I'll, I'll, I'll real quick, and I appreciate Commissioner Howells pointing out, well, you know, wh whatever has been brought up, bring it to the city council, let them figure it out. Uh, I would just quickly say that uh, what parking minimums do is, that, uh, 
driving a car, owning a car is very expensive. When we have parking meters, we shift some of that expense of owning the car onto housing. For most of us, no big deal. We got to pay for our car. We got to pay for our housing. Uh, for people who don't own cars, whether by choice or because they just can't afford it, the parking minimums shift the cost uh, of car ownership, which is for them zero, now becomes non-zero. They have to pay for it in their access to housing. They have to pay for it in other social ways. So uh, from my perspective, uh, I've lived in California my life, or I, I've lived in California most of my life. All the time I've lived in California, there's been a housing crisis. Housing is too expensive. There's not enough of it. There's homelessness. We have the climate crisis, which if we don't fix in the next 20 years or so is going to be a climate catastrophe. There is a lot of room for us to adapt our behavior to understand that we have to live more conscientiously with the earth and with the resources that we have. And one of the problems that one of the challenges we have is, is pushing cars and pushing cars and pushing cars and to, uh, to, to scale back on that, I think is very reasonable. So perhaps the city council will hear us anybody, or will hear what I'm saying. Other people will hear what I'm saying. Um, and we can try to improve our public policy. I think that it doesn't hurt to have some urgency. And that's why I proposed we could follow San Jose's lead of repeal, repealing parking minimum. So with that, uh, I think the staff recommendation is also a reasonable move in the right direction. Thank you. Thank you. And I see a number of hands up that have already spoken. So I am going to jump in and ask and ask if there would be any interest in a friendly amendment that would add B3 Uh, B3, eliminating required parking for residential uses and instead requiring transportation demand management plans for all new projects. Commissioner Howe. Yeah, um, I understand the parliamentary thing of putting in a motion like that, but I have a question that I want answered before I answer your question. The question is, is it March 19th that this goes to the city council? Yes. Will staff be able to quantify these things that we've added in an, in, I don't want to say intelligent fashion, in an effective manner so that the city council will receive the information effectively? Uh, but we'll certainly take a stab at it. Um, I'm not sure about this, the charging for street parking. Um, if we can have any, you know, if we take that, that one out, be would you be able to do the rest of them? Yeah, I, I would think so. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it, you yeah. heard the chair say that he wanted a, a, a friendly amendment. Did you hear what his amendment was? So that was, uh, so essentially like looking at alternative one as, as listed right now, adding a, a third uh, sub bullet to the single family residential it, it should prop uh, thinking about it differently it should probably be structured as it should probably be structured slightly differently than just as a sub bullet i trust staff can okay. interpret yes yeah, so basically i was basically reading the the language that was after this approach has been utilized by the city of san jose on page 15. 
Okay. Was ba ba I was basically reading right off the staff report for that. Yes. Uh, so, so in, in, in lieu of having, um, uh, or having like a, um, instead of parking minimum, having a, 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 a TDM plan instead, uh, or, you know, with, with parking maximum. Yes. Okay. And for both, uh, mainly for, for multifamily. That, that was my, that was the intent of my friendly amendment. If, if it is accepted by maker and seconder. The, the same question applies. Will you be able to complete that by March 15th? 19th sure because at this point they're they're just options to to look yeah. at and uh yes commissioner howard can you take and um accept taking the paid parking on yeah. the street off and i'd be happy to second a uh, study issue for you yeah that's um down the road is that acceptable yes that is acceptable and i have no objection to the chair's uh, friendly amendment there you go both of those things are done in this motion Thank you. And with that, uh, Commissioner Howe, you had your hand up. So, it, okay. I believe next, okay, next up is Commissioner Davis. <laughs> uh, by the time we figure this system out, we'll be in the big room. But um, yeah, I'll, I'll be supporting uh, the motion. Um, yeah, just cleaning up the the regulations we have around parking minimums is is worth it for me. Um, um, I, I do want to characterize. I, I do agree with uh, um, Commissioner Howard that we should be bold, right? We, we have very strong climate goals. Um, if anybody's going to meet them, it should be us, right? So um, I, I like to think that Sunnyvale's the the city that steps up and and gets things done. Um, and for the record, um, yeah, I don't park my cars in my garage either. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. Next up is Commissioner Cerrone. Uh, thanks, Chair. So just to be clear, so what we have now is alternative one. Really, it's all, it's, it's really alternative two, right? Alternative, everything in alternative one, plus what was modifications, what was added by, uh, uh, Commissioner Howard. Right. And except, except yes. the, uh, it was, it was, yes. My understanding of the motion and I hope it clarifies the staff's understanding of the motion. Please correct me. If, is that it is alternative one with modifications to include a, uh, ex, to also study, uh, the approach for eliminating required parking instead of requiring TDM and also making sure to look at unbundling. Right, which is called out explicitly yeah. here. So yeah, I um, did not include that in my friendly amount right. because I thought it was covered by one CY. I exactly yes. It's, so I, I I think uh, and I think these are all good things. You know that that should be looked at and the unbundled parking, the uh, uh, the flat rate uh, uh, minimum parking standards. Uh, uh, you know, they're uh, all, all of these things. So I, I think they're important and uh, I'm glad these are included in here. Um, I uh, I mean, these are all things to look at and I think we should look at them. But I I mean, I, I caution that uh, I think we all want, want a world where we're, you know, we're minimizing the greenhouse gases, but 
just squeezing the parking requirements without at the same time committing to in what you know regionally or as a city in uh in some form of mass transit is you know is is problematic i think we uh, certainly like the hopper and uh and other types of mass transit uh just saying well don't use your car is it's just it's problematic and it's not realistic but i but i don't think but this is this is a study which will look at all of those things and hopefully take that into consideration. Uh, I would I would love to see us spending more for and bike infrastructure to to uh, um, to make it realizable to do these things. So, uh, but I will be supporting the motion. Thank you. Thank you. Next up is Commissioner Shukla. Thank you. Uh, he press button. Okay, great. Thank you. Uh, I think I share the same viewpoints uh, with my, as my fellow commissioners are saying, I we should study the issues. Also, um, I don't know. I mean, as you said that uh, we have to change the, uh, we have to be bold and we have to, with bold policies, we should affect the behavior of people. And at the same time, of course, we need the that will push for the higher demand for the public transportation. And maybe there is a need and there is like, I, I think it's like a, a cycle that somebody has to start somewhere. And I think I'm I'm sharing the same viewpoints and I will support the motion to study uh, along with all the uh, staff recommendation. Thank you. Thank you, Vice Chair Glacius. Thank you, Chair. Um, just briefly, I'm I'm not going to support it, but it's simply because I feel that um, our threshold should be that there has to be a problem that's self-evident, and then that's when we want to devote resources to it. I do believe that there's benefit to, to come from this. I do think that um, the removing parking minimums will help with developers. I think actually there's a lot. I, I think there's upside to it. I'm just not convinced that there's more upside than than other projects that we're losing as an opportunity cost. The the report did cite the fact that the while there will be no fiscal impact to do this, that there would be a moderate opportunity cost for the staff. That's all. Thank you. Thank you. And I'll be supporting the motion. Uh, what what one of the things that jumped out to me when I was reading the staff report was uh, was just looking was the number of how was that feel was that it, this is on page four of attachment seven uh there's an estimate of only 17.8 percent of occupied housing units that require three or more vehicles available and look i'm sure if we broke look i'm i i suspect if we broke that down we'd be saying that we, that would skew more towards people that live in single family homes so just but even ballparking that we require four parking four par units we require four parking units for every single family home we build and most and i think this data is pretty clear that 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 this is excessive space for um a significant majority of act of people that live in the single family homes i think it's beyond silly to have requirements for things that most people will not need and if people and if you're trying to remodel your home if you're build if you're building a home if you actually really need four parking spots you can still build a home with four parking spots we're not we're not banning that and 
I would not support banning that. I think it's very well taken that you that trans that transit here really is not at the point where you where you can where you can get around without a car very effectively due to a number of mechanical issues. I was actually without a car for a significant portion of 2022 and it wasn't for and it took a very long time to get anywhere and I had to cut and I basically had to cut errands out of my day because and postpone them to later just because I ran out of hours while while the bus service was running while that I had energy to walk to walk to places. I uh, just just last night I was at an event in San Francisco and I don't like driving in San Francisco. I don't like parking in San Francisco. I have I have a new car. I don't want anything to happen to it. But but I did drive because it because the drive home was in the evening and it took 40 it took 40 45 minutes if i took caltrain it would have been on the order of 2 hours and that's before having to wait for the train to show up like that and i do think that by reducing by reducing parking minimums we're not going to we're we're going to see i've said this for in other projects we're going to see developers right size their parking requirements for projects we're not going we're not going to I don't think we're going to see the mythical apart apartment with zero parking spaces. And honestly, if somebody's really, really determined to do that, they can probably figure out a way to make the state density bonus law force that. We we mentioned compact parking space limits on compact spaces for guests. And I distinctly remember one project where that used the density bonus law to say all of our guest spaces are compact. And I had some questions for them like okay what happens if somebody i had some pretty pointed questions to them but ultimately there was nothing we could do about it uh so but i think it is important to to help address our climate goals by not forcing people to overbuild parking to help address our housing goals by using by converting that space that would be a that would be for unnecessary parking into living spaces maybe, maybe even retail spaces and in mixed use and just better spaces than parking than for parking that's that's in excess of capacity i'm i i'm glad my friendly amendment was accepted because i do I do think we should be exploring innovative options. I think, I think what San Jose adopted is an innovative option, and I think, I think it's worth exploring at least something similar. I don't. When this all come, well, first of all, we need to find out. Well, depending on what council does, I don't necessarily know exactly what approach I'm necessarily going to favor when this comes back. Ultimately, I look forward to seeing the study results i know staff will do their usual excellent job in preparing it and i'm looking forward to seeing this come back hopefully in the not too distant future with that recording officer could we please have a roll call vote on the motion commissioner howe yes chair pine yes commissioner davis yes commissioner howard yes Vice Chair Iglesias? No. Commissioner Shukla? Yes. And Commissioner Cerrone? Yes. The motion passes with six yeses and Vice Chair Iglesias voting no. Thank you. And that... And that was... That brings us to... 
to non-agenda items and comments. This portion of the agenda is for oral reports and announcements by commissioners and st or staff to share information. Are there any commissioner non-agenda items or comments? Commissioner Howard. A question for staff. We don't necessarily need the answer tonight, but uh, per the public comment, what, what's going on with the village centers on North Sunnyvale, particularly San, San Miguel and uh, the one up north of there? Uh, we're still working on the village center master plan development. Um, I have the administrative drafts. I'm just going through the review on that. And then we should start uh, outreach pretty soon, uh, probably April or May. Are we being hamstrung by Builder's Remedy or? Not Builder's Remedy, but SB 330. That's the, a certain percent of low income lets you do what you want to do. Uh, it's just the, if they do the 15% uh BMR requirement, they get a bunch of waivers, and that's pretty much what they're doing. So the one off of Lawrence and Lakewood, um, that's this, what they're proposing out there. And the one on Dwayne um, is maintaining a small amount of commercial, but not a ton. This kind of pattern on what we saw across from Fremont High School? Kind of. Yeah. So, yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Commissioner Howe. I want you to know that our cars are actually housed inside the garage. <laughs> really? Really? Thank you. Thank you. Commissioner Cerrone? Um, I'd just like a little more clarification. The same question that uh, Commissioner Howard asked you. Are, are you saying these two uh, village center projects are, are in line behind the master village center master plan? that that needs to be completed and then these projects will be looked at? Well, no, actually um, with SB 330, they came in with a uh, preliminary application. So they got locked in prior to any of the master plan elements being in place. So they're subject to the current zoning regulations. So um, they will basically follow the density that's allowed in the general plan, which is about the 18 dwelling units per acre and we'll keep working with them to see how much commercial we can get retained. And uh, so do you have a time frame for those two? Uh, uh, I do not. I know the one on Dwayne resubmitted recently, and I think the one on Lawrence has been in for a little bit, um, but I don't think it's moved along too much. So those will come through before the master plan, probably. That be they may or they even if they come after the master plan they're still locked in under the right it doesn't apply anyway yeah i understand okay thank you thank you and i was just wondering do is there any time frame on when we will be using the big room last i heard was maybe march but i'll i'll check it may be april now keep you guys okay. posted. it just feels like it keeps creeping out yeah and <laughs> i i would note that and I would actually note that we did do seat selection back last July with an eye towards it being in the council chambers. So it would be, it, it is, a, I'm, I'm not blaming you, but it is a little frustrating given that the information we got when we did seat selection was to have an eye to, towards that. Yeah, I'll, I'll keep you guys posted. Okay, thank you. And planning officer, do you have any non-agenda items or comments? Uh, I do not. Okay, thank you. Uh, this meeting of the Sunnyvale Planning Commission is adjourned at 8.50 p.m. And I'd like to thank everyone for your participation in tonight's meeting.